Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. I want you to, to, yeah, you can put it right here, it's fine. I want you to keep your, I don't need that. I want you to keep your heart in a place. You understand what I'm saying? I know it's easy to become distracted. Normally, we would have announcement time with Destiny and all that fun stuff. But I, I do have one announcement. Next week, we're making a really big announcement. It's going to be really amazing, which will change the whole dynamics of what Abide is. So I don't want you to miss it. I want you to be a part of that next week. I don't want to share the surprise. Some of you know already, but it's going to be amazing. And our Abide family is changing for, for the better. Amen? And God is doing more and more so. Even today, man, it was just, uh, bro, I couldn't sleep last night thinking about that, bro, that, that, you know, sometimes we're faced with things in life where we don't, we don't know what to do with the situation in front of us, right? It's like, I, I know it's injustice. I know it's wrong. I just don't know what to do with that. Does that make sense? And the issue with us not confronting that kind of tension is we just don't do anything. When we don't confront a tension or when we don't ask, well, what should we do? And we don't keep pressing and going low. The, the, the thing that we do is we just kind of turn a blind eye to it. And I believe that it's time for us as God's people, if we really carry his presence, to step into that. Do you understand? To step into that place. I, I remember being in Africa and them telling a story about being in Africa and there being civil unrest among two people groups. And they were like, it was like civil war. They were killing each other. It was just terrible, terrible things that were happening. And I remember them saying that um, in the middle of all that, Heidi was in the village and they were feeding people. And this is not about Heidi. This is about a heart. You understand? And in the middle of them throwing and trying to stab, Heidi just runs in the middle of everyone, in the middle of the chaos, and just screams, I'm sorry, and starts crying. And I just get that image that, like, if we just start there, and if you stop, part of my issue has been just all the Facebook posts. If you're not promoting unity, you're promoting disunity. And there's just no, there's nobody that wins there because this is not, not about making a point. It's about making a difference. And sometimes we miss making a difference for the, for the sake of making a point. And we lose. We lose. <laughs> I feel better now. <laughs> I love you guys. I just want us to get this right. And all the solutions are not going to come today, but we can start somewhere. We can start somewhere. And it's not just one issue. This is a compounding issue that's been going on for a long time. And so we start by seeing, you understand? We start by stopping and seeing and hearing and closing our mouths. Amen. <laughs> oh, man, I, I'm going to speak shortly um, what, what the Lord has, and then I want to go back into a time. I, I want to pray today for people, and I'm, I have faith that God is going to touch some people today. I have faith that he wants you to be touched more than I want you to be touched today. And so I know we've worshipped. We worshipped for about an hour. But for, but for those who are hungry, I believe he has something for you today. I really do. I believe that he has more for you than just a swirling, amazing hour of worship. Like, he really wants to touch us. And as I go through today, I'm going to read in Joel 2. The first thing that takes place in Joel 2 is a call to repentance. So I feel like even a part of what we did today during worship was a part of that. Us, us examining what's going on in our nation and saying, we repent of that, Lord. So I'm going to collect the, I'm going to collect the tithes and the offerings because it's just not going to be time for it later. I just know it. I'm going to actually have some people come up. Can I get two guys to come up? I don't want anybody to move around. And I'm going to pray. 
And I want to thank you, man. I, I want to I ask you guys to all partake in being faithful to this house and giving. The, the promise of God is that he would bless you and that it would be running over, shaken together. It would, it, it would be abundance and overflow. So I want to ask everyone, if you're a part of this family, to contribute. To contribute to the house and to believe in faith that God's going to continue. Look around. God's doing, yeah, we're back, and it's like, what do we do? Two services? I don't know. We just want to be faithful to what God is saying, right? And so let's continue to sow. Let's continue to give. We have multiple ways you can give, but trust God with every area. Amen? I'm going to pray. Father, I ask that you bless us today as we give. Bless the message. Oh, God, just help it to come out the way it's supposed to come out. Help me to not say what you want me to say, what you don't want me to say. Father, help me to say what you, what you want me to say. And just bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you as you give. You can give online. You can text to give. Oh, Jesus. Say, Jesus has something for me today. The, the, the day of Pentecost for us, a lot of times we come with an expectation for, like, people were here at, like, 10 o'clock today. It was like, normally it's like 1035. We're like, where's everybody at, you know? But, but it's because I feel like there's this expectancy in the air. And so before I go into any part of this message, I want to preface this, and I want to say the outpouring of the Spirit is not just for you. The outpouring of God, God touching you with his presence and his presence being poured out in greater measure, it starts with us, but if it's only about us, it ends with us. So from the very beginning, you have to see yourself as a conduit. As God touching you, us coming in and, 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 and adoring and proclaiming and asking God to touch us. But it's not just unto us, right? I believe that everything that's going on in the world right now, whether it's the COVID crisis or it's the racism thing. And, there, and, and next week, there'll probably some, be something else. That's the reality of the world we live in. And if we don't get this right, this issue of centering ourselves, then what happens is we become oblivious to everything that's going on around us. And when we become a house that is only about this house, what happens in here, if it stays in here, we'll die. All the goosebumps, all the tinglys, all the, sh all the shouts, all of it, if it stays here, it dies. And so in Joel 2, there's this prophecy that is going forward. And it's a prophecy that every, every charismatic church reads. And, and, and I've read it, I've memorized it. And the issue is we start in Joel 2, 28. Without realizing that Joel 2 is a whole chapter. And that God, he's calling people and he's reconciling them. And he's bringing all, that's what this is about. The Lord restoring his people unto him. It's not just for us to have a charismatic hoorah. It's not like, listen, we got to get past that and realize that God is trying to restore us into sonship. Into him being a father and us being his children. So that, you hear me? So that we can change the world. And so the posture of the church and the posture of America for a long time has been consumerism, meaning what can you do for me? And that is dead. It's dead because God is tired. I believe he's tired of that. I believe he's looking for people that say, God, <laughs> we'll start with repentance. So in Joel 2, he starts off, and, and this is what he's saying to the people. He's saying, Joel 2, 12, he says, this is what the Lord says. Turn to me now. Say now. Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Not give me your works. 
not give me your talents, not even give me your money, give me your heart. Because if you give him his heart, if you give him your heart, everything else will flow from that. If you give God your heart, then all of your money, all of your resources, all of your talents, all of your time become his. So give me your heart and come to me with something. I want you to see that when we come to God, we must come with something. Listen, if you're here and you don't know Jesus or you haven't come, you just bring yourself. But if you've been coming to this church for any period of time, it's time for you to bring something. So he says, come to me with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. What is he saying? I feel this is what he's saying. I want you to feel what I feel. I want you to let apathy die and stop turning your heart cold. I I know for me, this is big for me. Immediately when I feel a situation that makes me feel come some kind of way, me and my wife were talking about this. I think, I feel, and then I act. My wife's different. My wife feels, she thinks, she acts. She's a feeler. And she feels things deeply, and I'm thankful because my initial reaction is when I think something and I know it's going to hurt, I want to turn off. Nope, not going to go there. And the issue is we cannot win something we have not wept over. Compassion comes from letting yourself feel and allowing that hurt to to press into that place and letting that lead you, that drives you to compassion. And so some of us were trying to do the works of Jesus, but you need to realize when Jesus did the works he did, he moved from a place of compassion. It's not empathy. It's not saying I'm sorry. It's allowing yourself to feel. They're different. Anybody can say I'm sorry, but allowing yourself to feel. And saying, God, I'm not just going to think about how this makes me feel. I want to feel what they feel. I want to think what they think. And I want to understand. And the issues we don't want to understand. We want to bring what we think to the table. And your two cents are worth nothing when they're feeling the way they're feeling. Means nothing because feelings are valid. So come to me with grief and fasting. I love that he says fasting first because fasting aligns us with the heart of God. If you start with weeping and you don't do fasting, meaning if you don't separate yourself for the purpose of understanding what he's saying, then your mourning and your griefing will be unto the flesh. You won't be properly aligned. So so come to me, bring something. Then he says, don't tear your clothing in grief because this was a time where when they would grieve, it was an external act, right? You would see the external, they would, they would, they would, They would rip their clothes in mourning. It was a sign. But God is saying, listen, let's not only do it on the outside, but but then he says this, but tear your hearts on the inside. Then he says, return to your Lord, for he is merciful, compassionate. Compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. And many times we've, we've thought about the outpouring of the Spirit in the context of power, but I want to, I want to submit to you today that it is in the context of love. If God is love and the Spirit is pouring out God, then you have been possessed by love. And through the lens of love, it has to change the way we see. It has to change the way we act. It has to change the way we commit. Love calls us to commit in a different way. And even right now, some of us, we've turned our hearts off during the message because we're like, I don't have to hear this because I'm not a part of the problem. You are the principal problem. 
because we must listen. We cannot turn. I'm telling you from experience. That's why I was weeping today because I had realized as I sat with Covey, and it's not just Covey. It's because he's, one of, he's like my brother. I realized I had turned my heart off. And all of this can easily become about us and what God gives us and how, how many giftings we have and how God is fulfilling our dreams. And this was never about us. So he calls us to repent and then, listen, the, the very next thing he does is he, he promises restoration. So as we repent and as we turn away and as we bring our hearts and our affections and all of it, he promises to restore those broken places. So repentance is not unto just mourning and griefing. It's unto joy, salvation, peace, righteousness, holiness. That's what he promises. Then the Lord will pity his people and the jealousy guard the honor of the land and jealously guard the honor of the land. He says, then, then, then I, the Lord, will reply, look, I am sending you grain and new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy all of your needs, meaning all of your needs will be supplied as you come to me. So, so catch this. We repent. He restores. I want to read to you this. In Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel's prophesying restoration of Israel, which represented God, God's people. You got that? And in the context of restoration, he prophesies this. Listen. Therefore, give this. This is uh, Ezekiel 36, 22. I'll give you time. 36, 22, Ezekiel. Therefore, give the people of Israel this message from the sovereign Lord. I am bringing you back. Come on, Lord. But, because, but not because you have deserved it. I'm doing it to protect my holy name, which, is, which you have brought shame. Listen. So they were scattered. And God is saying, I will bring you back to bring honor to my name. And when I, oh, I want you to see this, verse 23. And when I reveal my holiness through you before their eyes, says the Lord, then the nations will know that I am God. What? So as God perfects holiness through us, through the process of restoration, people will realize he really is Lord. Did you catch that? Meaning the way we live our lives will preach a message. That Jesus is Lord by the way we love, by the way we serve, by the way we give, by the way we go low and we walk in humility, by the way we make our lives not about us. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. That's why some of you got to get over this. Oh, well, I'm just going to struggle the rest of your life. No, no, no. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. I'm not, people, people struggle with the thought of idols. I would submit to you, we have more idols today than ever. Ever. And I will, oh, I love this. Listen, you need to highlight this market, tattoo it on yourself. 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. If you could just pray for that the rest of your life, you're going to be okay. God, that as, as you pour out your spirit, take out my stony, hard heart. And I don't care who you are. You've had things happen to you that have made your heart become hard. You've had experiences. If you're married, you live with somebody. And life becomes life. And if we're not careful, our hearts become hard. But he's promising us, I will take out that heart and I will give you a tender and responsive heart. And I love this. And I will put my spirit in you so that 
you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations, saying all this stuff that he's asked us to do, he'll put his spirit within us that will give us the ability to walk that out. Christianity, Christianity only becomes a weight when you try to do it on your own strength. If you try to live, if you try to perfect holiness, try to do what's right, if you try to make ministry happen in your own strength, it will exhaust you. But if we rely on the spirit, which is not this, the spirit is not this abstract ghost that we can't, it, it, it makes its home inside of your heart. And it begins to work things out from the inside out. So if you start with, the, well, I can't come to God because of everything that I externally do, you have to realize it doesn't start there. The work starts internally. So if, if I'm in a worship session and we're 45 minutes in and I find myself in a place where I'm like, I don't want to respond to that. I realize it's not, it's not out here. It's in here. It's in here. How can I say I want to go to heaven when we're worshiping 24-7 but I can't worship an hour here? I'm creating now the environment that God is calling me to in heaven. I don't care what my spirit feels. I don't care what's going on in the world because I know my only response that I can give is my worship and my, and my all and my cry and my, that's all I can give. And from that place, he calls me. And he restores those places of my heart. That will cause me where, where, where at one time I looked at a situation one way and now I'm standing before my brother and I'm crying. What's happening? God's, he's changing. Something's positioning in our heart. The stone he's going away and he's making it tender so that I can feel. And from that place of feeling, then we can move in compassion. Are you good? So he calls them to repentance. He promises restoration. And then after both of those, after you are restored, he promises you the Holy Spirit. Now we get to the, the charismatic 101. Joe 2.28, then after doing all those things, don't skip that part. Then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants. What is he saying? Everybody will be touched by my outpouring. My Bible says that at one point there will be an outpouring of the Spirit so great that you will not have to preach. They will know that He is Lord. That's what it says. You will no longer have to go to your neighbor for they will know He is God. How will they know? <laughs> if nothing's coming out of your mouth, then it has to be by the way that you live. And so in Acts 2, they're there. And they're waiting. And Jesus speaks to them and He says, I must go so the advocate can come. And this is speaking of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus would model for them for three years what it looks like to live a Holy Spirit-empowered life. Not just on the inside, but on the outside. Where every time he came into something that was not kingdom, it had to bow at the name of Jesus. And he would model for them. And it's interesting to me that after walking three years with Jesus, the disciples had one question of them. He said this, not teach me how to do miracles. Not teach me how to prophesy. Not teach me how to do, teach me how to pray. Maybe they noticed something about connectivity in the prayer life that, that, that undoed him with power. It, it filled him. And so Jesus says, I must go so he will come. And when he speaks those words to them, he's speaking it to 300-something people. 
you must go and wait. And they probably suck at waiting as much as we do. You say you like waiting, you're just a lie. He tells 300 and something people to wait and only 120 make it to the room. And they're waiting and here's the great thing, they don't know what they're waiting for. And I get that. I feel like sometimes we're crying out and we're contending for something and we have no idea what we're asking for. That's why the best prayer I can just pray is, Jesus, do whatever you want to do. Because I don't want to put you in a box on what I think your movement looks like. I want to receive all that you have for me. I want to be broken. I want to be, I want to be contrite before you, Lord. <laughs> and so then they're in a room. And in Acts 2, man, you've read this, right? I hope you have. I want you to see this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were there. They were in one mind and one accord. Well, the Spirit must come before we can have unity. No. We fight for unity. When we act in one mind and one accord, that means they were of one mind and one heart. Meaning they preferred one another in that place. They were from all walks of life and all different, yet they found themselves having the ability to prefer one another in unity. So as they found themselves in one mind and one accord, a sound came from heaven, like a roaring mighty windstorm and filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like a tongues of flame appeared and settled on each one of them, and everyone present, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other messages, and I love this, because I want you to see the different responses that happened. Because sometimes we think when the Holy Spirit comes, it's just going to be like, oh, yay. But it just didn't happen that way that day. 120 people in a room, there's a shaking. They think that they're drunk. And it says this, and they were bewildered. That's the first response. They were bewildered to hear languages. They were confused. Verse 7, they were completely amazed. How can this be? Some of them were amazed. People are all, these people are from Galilee, yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. And they went on. And it says, and we all hear them speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. So they stood there. Again, they were amazed. They were perplexed. They didn't understand what was happening. If you have to understand everything that's happening while God is moving, he's probably going to stop moving. They were perplexed. But others in the crowd, they ridiculed, saying they're just drunk. That's all. Some of them didn't believe. So listen, I just want to say, when God's spirit falls, it's messy. It doesn't always look the way that, that we think it should look. But the byproduct, the byproduct, the fruit of a coming into one mind and one accord and allowing God to move and to, and, to, and, to, and to change us and baptize us with his presence is this. Acts 2.42, all of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship. Did you hear me? To fellowship. Like fellowship was a core part. You giving your life for the person across from you and letting them in. Well, I just don't like people. That's, that's illegal in the kingdom. I understand there's seasons where I'm like, people just suck right now. I get that. But one-fourth of what God, of what was the fruit of the Spirit being poured out was fellowship, koinonia. Like a deep unity, a communion, a fellowship, a brotherhood. So they devoted themselves to teaching and to fellowship. They shared meals together. They made time. They went from house to house and they shared meals. Because so, I love that they separated fellowship from even sharing a meal. That, that, that our relationships, it has to go from more than just table talk at Taco Bell. 
they, 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 they shared meals together, including the Lord's Supper, and they devoted themselves to prayer. Say prayer. 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 It was 25% of what they did. And then it says this, 43. As they did this, a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles, look, hear this. They didn't have all because of the miracles and signs. A deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs. They had their awe of who God was even before God did. Through fellowship and unity and communion and prayer, what did that cause? They had an awe of who God is. When was the last time we stood in awe of the greatness of God? Like literally like, oh my, you're so amazing. I need you, Lord. When was the last time you had that? And all the believers, this is revival. They're in all of God. All the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their properties and possessions and sold their money with those in need. They shared their money. They worshiped together at, at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day, not on Sundays, each day, the Lord added to their fellowship and those who were being saved. And this is what the Lord wants to do. Like he wants us to be poured out. He wants to fill us with his presence. And many of us, we cannot be filled because we are already full. You can't tell me that you're going to watch 24-7 CNN and not be full of something. Last night I was laying in bed at 12.30 at night and I was on Facebook and I was watching as they lit champs in University Mall on fire and I felt something creeping into my heart. And I'm not saying let's be oblivious and let's not be apart, but let's, let's protect our hearts and allow this place of compassion to start from saying, God, I need you to fill me. I need you to fill me and do something deep. I had some cups there. Can you bring them? There's some little, yep, yep. You have trash in my cups? Pray this is anointed now because now they're trash cups. So sometimes, and I, I just want to expand this for a second, because we've been we've been taught we've been taught on Acts two so many times that when we when we think about I'm gonna make a mess it's gonna be awesome when we think about the baptism of the Spirit we we see it like this like okay God you come and you fill me and we see it like this kind of transaction here I am right. And it's like, sometimes we're a little bit full already, and so God tries to pour into us, and it makes a little bit of a mess. And here we are, and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm making a mess, yep. But I, see, even right now, some of you are distracted by the mess that's happening. That's exactly what happens with revival. And so, very simple, very simple, you just need to understand that God is looking for an empty container. Yes, Lord. Even Jesse agrees. 
He's looking for an empty container. And God filling you with him does not look like an equal transaction. It's just not. This is humanistic transaction. Even exchange. But when God comes, and I just want to say this today, even when you're full, I believe if you just make a little bit of room for him today, like if you just say, well, like all the crap that's going on in the world, I'll pour myself out. I believe that God, this is the kind of transaction he's trying to make today. You see? Some of you are like, the carpet, the carpet. I'm trying to get rid of the carpet anyways. But do you see? Do you see? You understand that it's not, it's not. Some of you are so uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's just a constant flow. Do you get it yet? And like just when you're uncomfortable, just when you're uncomfortable enough, like Alan's like that carpet, but it's like God's like, listen, I'm not worried about the mess. Well, how can God really, and then like, you're like, well, he poured it all out. Well, then like Gio brings another one, right? And it's like, that's, you need to understand that it's never this to this. And God is not concerned with the mess. He can handle your mess. I just don't feel passionate enough. That's because you need some of this. It's so simple. We've complicated it. We just prefer it's all over me. Yeah, you're worried, baby. There's, that outlet doesn't work anyways. It's all broke. Even my wife. <laughs> Going to burn the place on fire. I, I, just, I just needed you to see. I just needed you to see because we're, we're about to go into a moment. Yeah, can I get some of the band? I'm glad we got to laugh for a second because I, I, want, I want us to, to seriously believe God. Not from this to this, but from this to that. This is what a pastor does. That's all I can do. And what we need to do is we need to get away from religiosity and all of the things that have kept us captive. Some of us, we've been going to the same. You've been coming to this church since I've been here. And you've been going around the same merry-go-round. It's time to hop off and jump on God's, <laughs> on the God train. And let it be messy. Just get up all in the mess and stop worrying about your self-dignity and what you look like. And what it's going to, and just allow God. You understand I'm not looking for an emotional moment. I can care less if you fall on the ground and shake. I, I'm waiting. I'll be impressed if you get up and you walk different. If something happens on the inside of you where it marks you. Because that's what happened to those people that day. How do you know the outpouring of the Spirit was not for them? Because the byproduct was they got baptized and 3,000 get into the kingdom. Peter, the very person who had denied Christ, now stands up and says, this is what they were talking about in Joel 2. Let's get it. That's what happened. And immediately 3,000. It's interesting, the same day, I don't want to go into that. But I just, it's interesting because thousands of years before, on that very same day, Moses comes down from the mountain and the Levites, they kill all the idol worshipers. And three, thousands of years later, now Peter comes down and 3,000 are added unto the kingdom through the baptism of the Spirit. Let's stand.
Jesus. Jesus, we come humbly and we just, we ask, Lord, that you would come and that you would baptize us with your presence, with your spirit and with fire, Lord. Right now, God, I speak against any distraction. And God, I ask that you would, that you would provoke us with hunger. That we would feel drawn. Hmm. Can we just can we just lift up our hands and just just release your own sound for a moment? One place, one accord. Wind of God, blow. Yeah, come on, come on. Let it rise up. We're hungry, Lord. We're hungry, Lord. Oh, we want the real thing, God. Oh, yeah, come on. Jesus. Oh, just a little bit longer. Oh, we wait for you, God. Oh, yeah. All for you, Jesus. Oh. 